This episode is brought to you by Dare to Dream's first official sponsor, and that is me. Gregory Russell Benedict Coaching is sponsoring this episode. And if you want to start taking consistent action towards your biggest dreams, we need to talk. Research shows that simply telling someone else your goals increases the likelihood that you'll accomplish them by 500%. And coaching is the best method and tool I've found for helping you realize your potential. So if you have a dream and you want to do something about it, visit me at www.gregoryrussellbenedict.com and book a free discovery call with yours truly. Welcome back to the Dare to Dream podcast. My name is Gregory Russell Benedict, and this is a podcast about inspiring you to embark on the adventure of your life. Today is one of my favorite episodes. I record one of these every single year. What I have just done is read through my journal, my 2023 journal from cover to cover. I do this every year to look back at the year, to reflect on what's happened, what I've learned, and I distill these key life lessons into insights and takeaways that make myself better next year, but that I can share with you guys. So I'm so excited for this episode. We are going to go through 15 lessons that I'm pulling from my 2023 journal. Let's jump into it. Lesson number one, when things don't work out, remember that something amazing is just around the corner. This relates to the beginning of 2023. I had been trying to date I had been going on dates and things weren't going the way I wanted to. I felt like I was ready for a relationship, but all of the people I was meeting, I wasn't feeling a connection with. I was feeling really burnt out after using some of the dating apps like Hinge. I just felt gross when I was using them. It felt weird meeting up with people that I only met on the internet and I wasn't having a good time and I started to feel pretty discouraged. And actually, funny enough, the reason why I grew a mustache in 2023 is because in January, I decided that me growing a mustache meant no one would want to go on dates with me. And me growing a mustache was my act of defiance, saying, look, I'm closed for dating. No mas. Funny enough, a few months later, probably one month later after this, I meet my girlfriend in a cafe and have the best relationship of my life. Things are fantastic. We're actually going to Hawaii again in a few days. So I want to remind myself of this in the future is that when things seem bleak, when things aren't working out, remember that something amazing is just around the corner. The universe is looking out for you. It has your back. And even though it seems like things might not be going the way you want them to right now, it's probably for a reason. If those dates I was going on had gone better, I wouldn't have met the most amazing woman I've ever met. So I'm very grateful things turned out the way they did. Jumping into lesson number two, a big part of life is about improving the person you show up as in difficult moments. This is such a key concept for me. It's the reason why I actively seek discomfort. It's why I'm always trying to put myself in really uncomfortable positions and situations. I have this obsession with finding out who am I in these uncomfortable, difficult moments. There's this amazing quote by Wayne Dyer. He says, when you squeeze an orange, you'll always get orange juice to come out. What comes out is what's on the inside. And the same logic applies to humans. If you squeeze someone, yourself, 
and you're in a really stressful situation, what do you want to come out? Do you want to yell at your kids when you're stressed and you haven't slept well? Or do you want to have love and compassion and kindness come out even in these difficult moments? And so if you can improve who you show up as in these difficult moments, you're going to show up as that person when it's hard, but you're also going to show up as that person when it's easy. And so much of life is figuring out who you want to show up as and what you can do to consistently do that. Another one of my favorite quotes, I reference it in nearly every podcast episode, is a Seneca quote that says, where you arrive does not matter so much as what sort of person you are when you arrive there. It's not about the destination. It's about who you become along the way. Number three, this is in here every single year. It's a constant reminder to myself. Meditation is essential for my well-being. If I had to choose one thing that determines how I'm feeling on a day-to-day basis, it would be sleep. 1.1, 1A is meditation. If I go two or three days without meditating, I start to feel off. I start to feel like I have to constantly be doing things. And what I've learned in 2023, another takeaway that's not on the list is that's a trigger point or an inflection point for me to realize. If I'm constantly feeling like I have to do one thing after another and I'm in one activity and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do next, that's an indicator that I need to pause, meditate, take some deep breaths. Because meditation for me seems to slow things down. It creates more space in between each moment of the day. And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing where now when I go and sit down to meditate, because I've been doing it for probably five or six years, ah, I immediately just sink into this feeling and it is such a good feeling. So meditation is essential for my well-being. Number four of the 15 life lessons and takeaways I learned from reading my 2023 journal is that anxiety means that I am avoiding something. Go handle it. Now, other people experience anxiety very different than I do, but for me, my specific type of anxiety usually means I'm avoiding something. And if I just go do the thing that usually I know I should have done a while ago, it's usually something that I've been putting off over and over again. If I just go do the thing, if I just go do the work, if you're watching this video, you see I just pointed at my sign. I feel so much better. That is one of the easiest ways to start stacking wins and feel successful and overcome resistance and gain energy. Just go do all the stuff that you know you should be doing, all those little errands that you've been putting off, all those chores, clean the kitchen that you've been putting off for weeks. Just do it. Go handle it. Anxiety means that I'm avoiding something. I can fix my anxiety. I can get rid of my anxiety by handling the thing. Number five, this is a fun one. Sometimes breaking all of your rules is the perfect decision. Now, for most people who know me well, they know that I don't drink very often. I don't stay up late very often. I don't love to party, which is interesting because I'm such a social person. I love human connection and I love making these memories with people. But for me, the cost of drinking is not worth the benefit most of the time. But there are certain times where breaking this rule I have of not drinking for the most part is the right decision. And one of these decisions, one of these times that was the right decision was when I was in Japan in April with Vinny. We were in Nagasaki. It was night one of our trip in Nagasaki. And we ended up meeting some Japanese locals 
One thing led to another. The night escalated. We were out all night drinking, laughing, singing. Oh my gosh, we sang so much karaoke. And it was totally worth it. Yes, I felt terrible the next day. Yes, I didn't sleep very much. But yes, I have this core memory for the rest of my life. And because I don't do this all the time, it makes it even more special. So sometimes breaking all of your rules is actually the perfect decision. Number six, we become the stories we tell ourselves. We become the stories we tell ourselves and you can improve your life by improving your story. Now, I read this fantasy series this year called The King Killer Chronicles. There's only two of them out. There's supposed to be three. The first one is called Name of the Wind. And this is an amazing series. It's been compared to Harry Potter. It's been compared to Lord of the Rings. It is on that par. It is such a good series. And the main character in this book, his name is Quoth. He's got a really weird name. But he started acting like a hero because other people thought he was. And then he became one. That is so important. Act like a hero. And eventually, if you do it long enough, you will become a hero. It's this piece of behavior change related to your identity. And it actually relates to another point that we're going to talk about later. It's going to be point number 14. But if you act as if you are something, eventually your mind, yourself, your self-image, you start to believe you are the thing. And you can actually change yourself. You can transform yourself by improving the story you tell yourself about who you are and what you do. Act like a hero and you will become one. Number seven, enjoyment and productivity are not mutually exclusive. Do not optimize for achievement at the cost of enjoying your days. This is a reminder that I'm constantly trying to keep front of mind for myself because it often feels in my own life that enjoyment is over here and productivity is over here and that there are two paths that lead in different directions. But I was actually just listening to a podcast before this with Chris Williamson and Ali Abdul, who is a very famous YouTuber. He is an entrepreneur. He's very well known for being a doctor, a medical doctor, and creating a hugely successful YouTube channel at the same time. So this man handles productivity. He knows what to do. And he just wrote a new book, and I believe it's called Feeling Good Productivity. And he talks about how you shouldn't focus on productivity just to get more stuff done. You should do things that you enjoy and therefore be more productive because you're enjoying them. And that is what I'm trying to remind myself in this lesson is that if I only optimize for achievement, I'm going to get to the end of my life and say, whoa, I didn't really enjoy it. Like I have thought about this a lot. If I get to the end of my life and someone asks me, did you enjoy your life? And I say, no, but I achieved a lot. I would feel like such a big, dumb idiot. Obviously, the point of life is not to just achieve things. If it was, you'd get to the end of your life and you could take it with you. But because you can't, to me, it seems pretty obvious, pretty intuitive that if you can't take it with you, then that's obviously not the point of life. So focus on enjoying things. You can be more productive when you enjoy things. You're actually more creative and productive when you're in a positive state of mind. Maybe a whole podcast on that will come out later. But don't optimize for achievement at the cost of enjoying your days. Number eight, learning to navigate the unknown and uncomfortable situations is a must-have skill. This relates to, which one was it? 
Number two, who you are in difficult moments and your ability to navigate the unknown and uncomfortable situations. It's a must-have skill if you want to be successful. I would say that 60% of this year has been me putting myself in uncomfortable situations, some minor, some major, and because I've gotten good at saying, hmm, I don't have much context for this situation. I'm being asked to get in front of these people. I'm being asked to lead this thing. Because I'm used to that and I almost find joy in it now, I have had so many more opportunities open up for me. And I'll give two examples for this. I mean, one, anyone who has followed along this year has seen the 100-day challenge of me being bold and talking to strangers. I have had so many opportunities and connections open up because I knocked on a stranger's door and asked if I could cannonball in a swimming pool. He said yes. I filmed a video. It went viral on Instagram. I met so many cool people this year, and I feel like I really stuck a flag in the ground of my brand and added this whole new component to my brand of boldness, of being willing to get out of your comfort zone. Yes, I had done that in the past with physical challenges, but now it's really about doing that with social interactions and opportunities so that you can continue to unlock more of your true self. That was one example. Another example is I do leadership and executive coaching for a company called Exec Online. And I've been asked this year to step into some of these group coaching sessions where there is such little context given before them. It's, it's honestly humorous. I don't know whether there's going to be five people on the call or 15. And these are all high up executives in a company. I'm told the topic of the session just before I start. And to me, it feels like there's no context of what to talk about, what to do, how I'm supposed to handle it. But because I've said yes to these opportunities this year, I've been willing to just get in there. I tell people it keeps me on my toes. I've had success in that. And now I'm getting more of these types of situations because I was one of the people who said yes to the discomfort when a lot of people would have said, no, I need more context. I need more preparation. So learn how to navigate the unknown and uncomfortable situations. And you honestly will feel unstoppable and invincible. And I'm not saying that that's how I feel all the time. I still get caught up all the freaking time with little things, but you will be so much more momentous. It'll take a lot more to slow you down if when things get comfortable, you're like, yeah, this is what I do. Number nine, I want to talk about a bunch of different modes. So there's this concept of easy mode versus hard mode that I heard about the other day. It was Shane Parrish. He is a podcaster. Uh, he has a podcast called The Knowledge Project, but he's also the writer of Farnham Street, which is this amazing company that puts out newsletters, articles. He's brilliant. And he talks about easy mode versus hard mode and that we get to decide which one we're playing on as we go throughout our life. So easy mode is where we want to be. It's if we've had a full night's sleep. Our nutrition is on point. We're feeling good. We're not eating junk. We've been to the gym that day. We are feeling like we're in a good place with our relationships. We're feeling loved and calm and at peace. And if you have your bases covered, if you're showing up to the day feeling like your cup is full, you're playing on easy mode. Things might happen, but because your cup is full, you're able to handle them. Now let's flip it to hard mode. How do you play on hard mode? Well, you don't get a good night's sleep. Maybe you're hungover. Maybe you're in a fight with your significant other. You haven't been to the gym in a while. You're eating McDonald's and feeling like garbage. 
And so if you're playing on hard mode, the same obstacle might come at you. On easy mode, it's a little hurdle that you just jump over. On hard mode, it might look like that enormous 50-foot wall that you have to scale. You have to get out your ice picks and scale up it. So depending on which mode you're going through life on, things can either be really easy or really hard. And ultimately, we get to decide through our actions which mode we want to play on. So that is his concept. And then I want to talk about a concept that I've created this year, which is playful mode versus scarcity mode. I show up in two very different ways. And I've talked a lot about this with my coach. Sometimes I show up and I'm very playful. I'm bold. I feel like nothing can stop me. When I'm in playful mode, a huge obstacle might come my way. Something might go terribly wrong that would normally knock me out. It would normally really mess me up. But if I'm in playful mode, I'm like, great, challenge accepted, bring it on, I can do whatever. That's the mode I want to be in more. But if I'm in scarcity mode, everything, every little thing is a huge problem. And I can tell this is the big realization from this year is that if I'm starting to look for the air quotes, right answer, that's when I'm in scarcity mode. There'll be some days where I'm constantly rewriting my elevator pitch. I'm trying to come up, come up with the perfect one line LinkedIn bio that I help people live a story, story worth telling. Oh, no, maybe that's not it. Maybe it's I am living a story worth telling and helping other people do the same. It's when I get in this mode of looking for the right answer or I'm looking for the right way to do whatever, the right way to reach out to people, the right workout to do, the right book to read. If I am reaching and desperately seeking the right answer, it means I'm in scarcity mode. And it means that I need to go play. I need to relax. I need to try and shift myself back into playful mode. Because in playful mode, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter the words I say in playful mode. I'm so energetic and I have so much energy that it doesn't matter what I say. People are going to get the point. So that has been a huge realization this year of, okay, am I on easy mode or hard mode based on the behaviors in the last 24 hours? And am I in this playful mode where nothing can stop me? Or am I seeking the perfect right answer, which means I'm probably stuck and probably not making progress? This has been huge for me. Moving on to number 10, number 10 of the life lessons, takeaways, insights I learned from reading my journal this past year. Who you are being determines your reality. This I can summarize this shortly by saying, if I'm in playful mode, I am being playful, I'm being adventurous, I'm being bold, I'm being fun, I'm being positive. Nothing can stop me. Honestly, I could say the wrong thing. I could fumble. And it doesn't matter because my energy is there and people understand. Whereas if I show up and I'm being scarce, I'm being timid, I'm being scared, I'm being nervous, even if I'm saying the right words, people aren't going to believe what I'm saying. If I show up and I'm like, I can help you. This is going to be so easy and so fun. It's very different than if I show up and say, yeah, I, I can help you. It's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. Like completely different vibe and energy. So who I am being is determining my reality. The opportunities, the connections, everything I think comes from who you are being. And then that in, in turn informs what you are doing. Number 11, very much related to scarcity mode. There is no right way. There is no right way. 
only the way that works for you. This has been huge for me this year because I am very impressionable. And if I admire someone and they say, you should do this or you shouldn't do that, I take it to heart. And what I've realized this year is that just because Alex or Mosey or Chris Williamson or any of these people that I admire and look up to say that you need to do this or you shouldn't do that, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for me. Yes, it worked for them. Yes, it can work for hundreds, if not thousands of other people. But it doesn't mean it's going to work for me, especially because I'm so big on authenticity and feeling like I'm aligned and in line with what I stand for. So that's been a huge realization this year is just because the experts say that you should do outreach like this or that you need to eat like this or your workouts should look like that. It might not work for me and it might not work for you. So there is not a right way. There's hundreds and thousands of different ways to get to the same goal. There's no right way. Whichever way is going to work for you, just pick it and stick with it and do it. Number 12 is also related to this. Just because you admire someone for what they do doesn't mean you should believe everything they say. This is directly applicable to what I was talking about with people like Alex Hermosi. Just because he is inspirational and I admire parts of him doesn't mean that if he believes X or Y about some weird off-brand topic, that means I need to believe it and take it verbatim. And here's a tangible example. I'll make it more specific. This comes about from something called the halo effect. The halo effect is a cognitive bias where you start to believe things about someone because of your perception of them. So because you like them as a podcaster, you believe, oh, they probably have informed opinions about marriage or relationships. And this actually showed up in my life in a pretty hilarious way. I wrote about it in a recent newsletter is that I was talking to one of my friends about relationships. And for me, something that I've always felt deep down is that relationships should be a hell yes or a hell no. If you aren't really excited and if you aren't consistently choosing that person every single day, that's not it. That's not it. I believe that relationships are intentional and you should be so excited about it. Yes, there's going to be hard parts, but you want to be excited and stoked about the person you are choosing to be in relationship with every day. So that was my thinking. And then I came across a post by one of my favorite podcasters, Chris Williamson, talking about this. It was talking about the paradox of choice. And if you have all of these choices, like, should I take this job? Should I buy this house? Should I move to this city? Should I marry this person? If you can't decide, the answer is no. That's how I feel. And so I sent this. It was actually a tweet. I sent it to my friend and he responded in the funniest way. He said, not sure if I want to take advice from a unmarried ex-Love Island club promoter. And he was describing Chris Williamson. And it made me slow down and realize that one, just because Chris Williamson is really good at podcasting doesn't mean that he has great relationship advice. He is single. He's unmarried. He's 35. So Probably it would make more sense to take relationship advice from someone who is married, happy, has kids, if those are the things that you are aiming at. And it made me realize that I had pointed this out in a, another situation where Vinny sent me relationship advice from Andrew Huberman and Lex Friedman. They were both talking about it. And I pointed out, I was like, great, I love this. It makes sense to me. And we need to remember that Andrew Huberman and Lex Friedman are both in their 40s and unmarried and single. So maybe they aren't the best people to be talking about this. So just because you admire someone for what they do doesn't mean you need to believe everything they say. 
doesn't mean that they have all of the answers just because they might have the answers in a specific category. Number 13. This is a big one. The most important thing is staying in the game. This was a realization that I had about 75% of the way through 2023 when I was starting to feel a bit hopeless, a bit burned out. I had been doing so much business development for coaching, so many outreaches on LinkedIn and Instagram, and it didn't seem like things were going the way they, they should as fast as I wanted them to. I didn't have as many clients. I wasn't making as much money as I wanted. And I had this realization that the most important thing I can do is just not quit. And when I say stay in the game, it means stay in the game as a coach, stay in the game as a podcaster, stay in the game as a writer. As long as I'm still here doing the things I like, even if it's taking longer than expected, I will still eventually get to where I want to go and make that progress. And it reminds me of a concept that Simon Sinek popularized called the infinite game is that you want to be playing infinite games instead of finite games. You want to be playing games that you can play forever. I want to coach for the rest of my life. I want to play pickleball for the rest of my life. I want to surf for the rest of my life. And all three of those things, when I take a step back and think about it, I can do those for the rest of my life because they're low impact, high fun, high I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but choose games both in work and in play that you can stay in the game and you can play forever. Number 14 goes back to a one we talked about earlier. And number 14 is always remember the as if principle. So William James, he's the OG big daddy of American psychology. He said, if you want equality, act as if you already have it. So this goes back to the one we talked about earlier, which is we become the stories we tell ourselves. If you want to be braver, act as if you are brave. If you want to be more confident, act as if you have that confidence. And over time, your self-image changes and you start to reaffirm and confirm and concrete that identity of being bold, courageous, brave, of being confident, of being charismatic. And so Acting as if means you simply, another way to say it is fake it till you make it. But it's really interesting because that sentence, fake it till you make it, has always rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. But learning about this principle and learning about the research of William James and all of these other people who have done huge studies around what happens if people act like they have a quality, do they actually end up adopting it, embodying it? The answer is yes. So fake it till you make it is actually really good advice if it comes to acting like you have qualities that you wish to have and adopt and embody. And what is the process to actually do this? The process is a four-step process. It's first, visualize the best possible version of yourself. Who would that person be? What would that version of you be? And then number two is think about what qualities and traits that best version of yourself possesses. Maybe it's kindness. Maybe it's humility. Maybe it's courage. Maybe it's honesty. Maybe it's vulnerability. There's all of these qualities and traits that the best version of yourself possesses. Step three is start acting like you already have those traits. And then step number four is my favorite. Send that old version of yourself, the one who doesn't have those traits, on a permanent vacation. You can say, see you later and start acting like the best version of yourself. And lo and behold, eventually you will become the best version of yourself in all of the situations. 
That brings us to number 15. This is our last insight and takeaway from 2023 after reading my journal cover to cover. And it's all about expectations. So I said your expectations influence how you feel. If expectations are greater than reality, that equals disappointment. If your expectations are lower than reality, that equals happiness. It's a pleasant surprise, right? But if you have no expectations or an attachment to outcome, I think that's where we find peace. And the moral of this story is not to go through life having zero expectations, but it's to recognize that when you have low expectations and reality shows up and exceeds those expectations, you're happy, you're pleasantly surprised. And if you have no expectations and you have no attachment to the outcome, you have no attachment to how things go, you will feel at peace. This has been a huge lesson for me in that I feel like I'm the best version of myself when I'm on a coaching call with someone trying to help them achieve their dreams. And if I have no expectations and I'm not attached to the outcome, I'm not attached to what we talk about, I'm not attached to whether they did their action item from last week, I feel so present, I feel so peaceful, and it's ultimately the best way to help people and help yourself. I hope you enjoyed these life lessons and takeaways. This is one of my favorite processes ever. I highly recommend that you start a journal for each year and journal as much as you can throughout the year. And at the end of it, go back and read through each journal entry. Try and do it all at once so you can get this broad painting of the texture of your mind, the experiences you had throughout the year, the highs, the lows. It is so satisfying to go back and read about the dark periods, knowing that something exciting was going to happen just around the corner, right? Bringing it back to that very first insight. And it's also really funny and humorous to look at the journal entries where it's a Tuesday night and you journal about being on top of the world. And then Wednesday morning, something in your life explodes and you're back in one of those dark moments. It really puts everything in perspective and shows that this is such a beautiful journey of highs, of lows. We really have no idea where it's going to take us. But if we can look back at our experiences, look back at our memories and reflect on what we've learned, we can maybe, just maybe, get a little bit better every single day by implementing some of these things, these inner wisdoms, these inner knowings that we can pick up along the way. So that is your call to action. Go start a journal. At the end of next year, read it. Share your insights with me. I'm so excited to hear all of it. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is one of my favorite episodes ever. I will keep doing it year after year after year. So don't worry, more insights and life lessons coming next year. Thank you for being here. We love you guys.